Good morning and welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are joining us online or with us in person, or even watching this at some later date, we are excited to worship with you this morning. If you are part of our Dayspring family, welcome home. If you are new to Dayspring, we want you to feel like you've come home as well. No matter where you're watching from, we are glad you're here with us. At Dayspring, we believe that nothing is more important than your spiritual growth. We are committed to helping you thrive no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Perhaps you're just exploring, or maybe you walked away and are reconsidering. Maybe you don't know why you're here this morning. That's okay. Bring your questions and your doubts. You are welcome here. And we would love nothing more than to walk with you. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, please explore our website at dsf.church. I'm Chris Voigt, lead pastor at Dayspring. I'd love to connect with you if you have questions about today's message or about the next step in your spiritual journey. If you want more information about Dayspring and getting connected into our community, I'd be glad to help you do that as well. For today's service, you can find study questions in the resources section of our website. And now, let's join our service already in progress. Well, maybe you've had a day that has started off like some of mine. I wake up ready to conquer the day, ready to live out my calling. Lamentations chapter 3 tells us that his mercies are new every morning, which is a good thing because I used them all up yesterday. But today, today is a new day. Today I start over. Today I'm not going to do that thing that I messed up on yesterday. And the day before that, and the day before that. (laughs) Well, actually I mess it up every day. But today is a new day with new mercies, and I'm living for Jesus. Uh, Maybe uh, one of these familiar, these scenarios sounds familiar to you. Uh, Like, today, I'm not going to walk into the house and yell at my wife like I do every other day. I'm going to overflow with love for her, even though I'm not even sure I actually love her anymore. Or, today, I'm going to be patient with my kids When they ask over and over, trying to wear me down, get me to say yes to them playing Minecraft. And when they are fighting, like they do almost every day, it's like they think, oh, I'm breathing, I've got breath in my lungs, who can I argue with now? But today, I won't scream at them to stop screaming. I won't let them push me to the edge. I'll be patient and understanding. Today, when I see that idiot at work, I'm actually going to channel my inner Jesus and be kind, even though she doesn't deserve it, even though she makes me look bad because my boss, look bad to my boss because she's such a suck up to cover up the fact that I do all the work around the place. She's way too busy on her phone checking Facebook, Insta, Twitter, as if she's that popular. Today, when I get on the freeway, I'm just going to be chill. I'm not going to yell at all those people who should never have been given a license in the first place. Today, I'm going to read my Bible at lunch. Today, I'm not going to surf those sites that I can't keep away from, usually. But today is a new day. Porn, 
won't get the best of me. Today, I'm going to skip Starbucks because we really can't afford it this month with the car breaking down and those extra expenses that have piled up. And, well, we're trying to honor God with our, our finances and get out of uh, the, under that mountain of debt. But today, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to eat a salad at lunch. I'm going to work out at the gym even wearing that dang mask. In fact, today I'm going to pray God's blessing over our governor instead of asking him to smite her for making me wear a mask when everybody knows they don't do any good anyway. Today, I'm not going to flirt with the oh-so-hot Amazon Prime driver who knows my name by now and always stays a couple of minutes to talk and laugh with me. Makes me feel like I exist. I'm going to be all business because there will be another delivery later for that thing I ordered yesterday, but I don't really need, but I was bin shopping and it was on sale. The price might not ever be that low again, but starting today, I'm not trying to find my security in things anymore. So today I won't even look at that Amazon deal of the day either. Today is a new day. His mercies are new today. Today will be different. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I'm a victor, not a victim. I'm in control of my life. I've turned over a new leaf. The page is blank. Only good stuff to journal from now on. And then life happens. I really do deserve that Starbucks Nitro Brew. It will give me strength to make it through the day, and it's only five bucks. That won't make a difference in our bottom line. And I need the extra boost to make it through the stupid log jam on the freeway. Use your turn signal, stupid. And my friends, they didn't want to eat salad. They wanted burgers. What could I do? Oh, that means I didn't get to my Bible reading at lunch either. We were too busy dissing on Sally, who wears a mask in the car even when she's alone. What, she's going to give herself the COVID? Come on, Sally. Of course, that led to a lot of COVID bashing. You know those daily conversations we can't seem to avoid? And Barbara took credit for the entire project, even though I spent two full days building the spreadsheet that made her job even possible. So I just let her have it. I unloaded hell on her. She deserved it. And the humidity was pretty high. Maybe I'll start working out tomorrow. Eh, working out is overrated. Facebook says you can't lose weight that way anyway. Wait, Amazon has five-pound weights on sale. On Prime. Free delivery tomorrow. Sold. And then when I got home, I was bombarded by fighting kids. The house was a disaster. My spouse was oblivious to it all. Watching cats on YouTube while Rome burns. Why did I marry her anyway? And I finally got a moment to myself after everyone went to bed. I deserve to feel good after the day I've had. I deserve to be desired. And you, you guessed it. Those sights I wanted to avoid, they scratched my itch and made me feel like I was actually a man. Until they didn't. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. I'll start tomorrow. Does any of that sound familiar? 
Like, why do I do what I don't want to do? Why can't my no just be no and my yes just be yes? Why can't I break out of this cycle? Why do I feel so powerless? It's not supposed to be this way. Now, before we go on, what is your one thing? If you're honest, you have more than one, but think about the worst one thing you struggle with in your life. That thing you can't stop doing or start doing, that thing that causes your spirit grief because you know it's keeping you from becoming like Christ. Everybody has something, some things. If you don't, if you think you don't, then your one thing is that. None of us have reached perfection yet, which means by definition, there is something. And I don't tell anyone what it is right now. Just hold on to it for a while. We're going to come back to it at the end of the message. Sometimes I take comfort in knowing that, that I'm not the only one. I'm in good company. After all, the Apostle Paul felt the same way. And he wrote half of the New Testament. I mean, other than Jesus, he was arguably the best Christ follower of all time, which also makes sense because Jesus wasn't a follower of himself. He set the standard. The point being, the Apostle Paul had it together better than anyone else if God used him to write half of the New Testament. And yet, he wrote this to the church in Rome as he was building his case that the Old Testament law, though it had its purpose, doesn't compare to the freedom we find through Christ. He says uh, this in Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law was go is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, I don't know about you, but that releases a little bit of pressure within me. Like, in no way does it excuse my sin, but if even a righteous man like Paul can struggle not to do what he doesn't want to do, then clearly God's grace allows some space to figure it out for me on my journey. 
In fact, after all of these fantastically hope-filled words, when you think about it that way, he writes this beginning in chapter 8, verse 1. So, now there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed us. The, the life-giving spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, we think we have Jesus down pretty well. I mean, what he was all about, at least. Uh, we think we have at least a grip on who God is. But if we're honest, of the Trinity, we know the least about the Holy Spirit. We think about him the least. He is often almost forgotten in our daily lives. And yet, this is so important to grasp, the same life-giving power that raised Jesus from the dead actually lives in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. He lives in you. Now, if you followed Christ for long, that's no surprise to you. Uh, you know it's true in your head, but the proof is in the pudding, people. If that knowledge was more than just head knowledge, our lives would look much different than they do day to day. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead actually lives in us. It should change us. But it all comes back to what you believe. What you believe matters. What you believe shapes every aspect of your life. What we believe shapes the way we think. The way we think shapes the way we act. So our lives are built on the foundation of our beliefs. What we believe about time, what we believe about money, what we believe about family, all of those beliefs meld together and shape the way we live our lives. But even more important than those is what we believe spiritually, what we believe about God, what we believe about the Bible, about Jesus, about why we exist, what we're here for, why we were created. As Christ followers, what we believe spiritually is more important than anything else in our lives because it shapes everything else in our lives. So what we believe better be true. Now, it's likely that some of you here today in the room or online are a bit skeptical about what Christians believe, probably because you've had a bad experience with a Christian or at a church that seemed a little too un-Christian. Or maybe you're skeptical because of something you heard in college or on YouTube or something you read. There's no end to the bad press about Christianity out there. Maybe you're here, you're just curious about religion, any religion, Muslim, Islam, uh, Muslim, Hinduism, Buddhism, and even Christianity. There are so many to choose from. Can any one of them be right? Or is it all of them or none of them? Well, you're here now, and you've picked a good time to stop scrolling if you're online. This is week four in our series we've called Essentials, Live Like You Believe. We've already covered what we believe about the Bible, God, and Jesus. And today we're going to try to get a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. 
And while this series is about what we believe, because what we believe eventually filters to our thoughts and actions, this isn't just about acquiring knowledge of theology. Uh, As people committed to becoming like Christ, we need to figure out how to use the knowledge we have to shape the way we think and act. Otherwise, it's just information, and we rob it of its power to change our lives. And for those of you skeptics watching, that's why you've seen so many bad examples of Christians saying one thing but doing something else. We know it here in our heads, but we don't live it out. That's not the kind of Christ followers we're trying to be here at Dayspring. Now, if you are a Dayspringer, then you already know that we believe there is nothing more important than your spiritual journey. And depending on where you are on that journey, you have a responsibility to either simply know what we believe, be able to explain what we believe, or be able to lead someone else through the scriptures that support what we believe. You might call that being able to defend what we believe. And if you have questions about where you are on your journey, uh, I unpacked that a little in the first message of, of this series and completely in our Growing Up series, which you'll find online in our message archives. Uh, You can also contact any of the pastors, and we'll gladly help you figure out where you are. Know, explain, defend. Which brings us back to the Holy Spirit. Christianity began the moment Jesus was resurrected. Before that, there were, before that moment, there were no Christians, there was no church, just a dead Jesus and some disappointed people who would have returned to their old lives in grief and disappointment. Uh, These disciples, around 150 men and women who had followed him for about three years, had built their lives, their hopes and dreams on what they hoped Jesus would do when he finally rightfully assumed his place. They saw him as their savior from the oppression of the Roman Empire, in spite of the fact that he told them over and over again that he was doing a different thing. In fact, on the night before he was crucified, he gathered his inner circle, the men we know as the 12 disciples, and they had one last Passover meal together. And he told them again that things were going to change, that he was going away. Now, let's pick it up in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. But now, this is Jesus talking, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. That's God the Father. God the Son, uh, Jesus, is returning to God the Father who sent him. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact... It is best for you. Now, don't rush over this. Jesus is better, but there is a best coming. He has a best on the way. So it's actually a good thing that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Now, the advocate is another name for the Holy Spirit uh, and a description of one of his roles. Uh, He advocates If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. 
Righteousness is available. There it is. That, that's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and makes, he makes righteousness available. Because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, that's the spirit of truth is another name or title of the Holy Spirit and his role. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So he will pass on to us the plans and purposes that he's been privy to in the throne room of heaven. The stuff that Jesus asks him to pass on to us. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So uh, this better solution, better than just having Jesus with the few people he can influence in person, is the best solution, which is found in the Holy Spirit, who can influence all people of all time, not just the disciples. The next day, Jesus dies. It's all over. Until it isn't. Three days later, hope is rebirthed with the resurrection of Jesus. There are suddenly Christians, and with Christians comes the church. And then for the next 40 days, Jesus pops in and out in person, giving them some last-minute instructions. One of those instructions being not to leave Jerusalem until this promised gift, this best, arrives. 50 days after Passover, which was when Jesus was crucified, 50 days later comes the Jewish festival of Pentecost. And boom, he arrives with a bang. Well, really more like fire, but fire with style. Acts chapter 2 says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet, we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other, what can this mean? And scholars have been unpacking what this means since that time. Here are a few things we should know. First, while one of the Holy Spirit's roles and names or titles is helper, the Holy Spirit is God. 
Michelle, when she taught us about God, and John, when he taught us about Jesus, talked about the three persons of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 6.4 tells us that there is only one God. We aren't polytheists who believe in many gods. There is only one God. Our one God reveals himself through three persons. Each person of God, and I use that term carefully because God is not a person, but this is how theologians describe him. Each person uh, of God is co-equal with the others in their godness. All three share equally in all characteristics uh, of God. All are equally eternal, equally all-knowing, equally all-powerful, equally ever-present, equally unchanging. They all always work in perfect unison. There is no hierarchy, meaning no one person of God is more powerful or supreme than the other. But each person of God is also distinct from the others. The Father is not the Son or Spirit. The Son is not the Father or Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father or Son. And yet, the Father begets the Son and the Spirit proceeds from the Father and Son. One of the most convincing places in Scripture that illustrates this truth is found in Acts chapter 5. Acts tells us the story of the early church. In chapter 5, in this passage, Ananias and his wife Sapphira sell some property and decide to join the Let's Donate to the Cause of Christ bandwagon. Ananias brings the money to the apostles and he says, Here, we sold some property and this is all the money we got for it. We're giving it all. All to God. But it wasn't all. And Peter in verse 3 of chapter 5 says that Ananias has lied to the Holy Spirit. And then ends verse 4 saying he's lied to God. Now either he is contradicting himself in the same conversation or the Holy Spirit is God. When we make the choice to surrender our lives to Christ, this person of God comes to dwell in us. And in this dwelling place, one of his roles, as we just saw when we read John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. From this dwelling place within us, the Holy Spirit is our guide. As our guide, he plays the primary role in helping us become like Jesus. The churchy word for that is sanctification. He guides us on our spiritual journey. He sanctifies us. He reveals truth. He identifies what we need to work on next. And as we lean into him, or another way to put it, as we walk in step with the Spirit, he empowers us to change. As we walk in the Spirit, he replaces our wrong desires with right desires. Now, let's be clear. Once we surrender our lives to Christ, we always walk with the Spirit. Meaning that once he moves in, he never moves out. But he also never forces his way. 
In every moment, at every decision point, it is always our choice to take a step towards God's best for us or a step away. When we lean in to our guide to help us, that is called walking in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, He gives us the power to become like Jesus. He gives us the power to actually do the righteous things that I started this sermon talking about. We can try to take Godward steps on our own without leaning in to the Spirit. And when we do, we are not walking in the Spirit, but just trying to become righteous on our own. We might have limited success, but it will never be lasting success. Life change doesn't happen without the Spirit's work, which means we need to lean in to our guide. We can walk with the Spirit and never walk in the Spirit, and lots of Christians do that every day. Don't do that. It's trying to become righteous by works. It doesn't work. Lean in to our guide. Now, we could probably do a whole series on the way the Holy Spirit guides us. He guides our conversations. He arranges divine appointments. He protects us on our journey. He helps us connect the dots between what we believe and how we live. He reveals spiritual truth, especially as we connect with God's Word, but also in other ways. He corrects us when we are wrong. He helps us step into our calling, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. And as I said, once he's there, once he's moved in, He's there for good. You can't evict him, and he'll never move out. Although you can force him into a teeny tiny little closet, and too many of us do. But he won't move out because the Holy Spirit is the king's seal on our hearts. As several of our dayspringers are experiencing, it's definitely a seller's market when it comes to real estate in Kaiser right now. It's very easy to sell your house. Not quite so easy on the other side. It's stiff competition to purchase anything. Now, if you've ever bought and or sold property, you understand the concept of an earnest payment. You find a place you want to buy. You make an offer to the owner, usually proffered with money, to show that you are earnest about buying the property. It could be $500, $1,000, or even more, depending on the, the value of the property and the stiffness of the competition. Of course, if you turn out to be not so earnest about purchasing the property, you could end up losing your earnest money. The Holy Spirit is God's earnest payment, if you will, to us. His guarantee that He is serious about our salvation and the reward of eternity with Him. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 1. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. He did this so we could relax into the security of our relationships so that we could focus on enjoying his presence, which is worship and not have to worry about our standing with him. The Holy Spirit is, his presence is proof that we are in good standing with God the Father. And whether we feel his presence or not, he is with us until the day we come into our full inheritance. And while he is here in the waiting, the Holy Spirit is the life giver. The Holy Spirit is the life giver. 
Uh, Let's look back at Romans chapter 8 together. This whole passage in Romans is a great study if you uh, want to go deeper on your own. There's some really good theology to chew on uh, through here. As Christ followers, uh, we understand that we are spiritual beings with a physical body. The world has it backwards. It would say that we are physical beings with a spirit. Now, you could argue that that's like looking at two sides of the same coin, but it isn't really. It all comes down to how you define reality. Only one definition can be correct. The Bible clearly teaches that there is a spiritual realm that exists unseen to our physical eyes, but we are primarily spiritual beings who happen to have physical bodies. And before we enter into life with Jesus, we are dead in the spiritual realm. Even though we have living physical bodies, we are dead men walking, zombies of sorts. At the point we choose to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the, Jesus' physical body from the dead, raises our spirits from the dead. We are reborn spiritually by the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. And in that realm, we will never die again. It is, uh, our eternal life has begun. It is independent of our physical bodies, although it is tied to our physical bodies until they die. The Holy Spirit gives life, but not just at the point of our salvation. He continues to give life. And Paul puts it this way, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 8. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Or as we've already talked about, when we walk in the Spirit, He gives life. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, those who follow Christ, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. There it is again. The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same life-giving spirit within you. Now, Paul goes on to tell us that life in the spirit defeats the power of sin in our physical lives. We are no longer obligated to do those things we don't want to do but can't seem to stop doing. Galatians chapter 5 speaks to this as well. The Holy Holy Spirit-powered lives give us freedom from the things that lead to death. Now we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But, but last, at least for today, the Holy Spirit cultivates fruit. Good stuff grows instead of bad stuff. You reap what you sow. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you reap what you sow. Self-focused living reaps the results we see in our culture. Chaos, emptiness, loneliness, hopelessness, unrest, the lack of peace, divorce, abuse, Trauma, distrust, I could go literally go on and on and on. 
On the other hand, when we walk in the Spirit, we sow seeds that He waters and grows. And the harvest is more than we could ever ask or imagine, even if we don't always see the watering and growing, which sometimes it just seems like we're sowing, 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 without seeing results. But the Holy Spirit always cultivates growth and reaps a harvest. If we walk in the Spirit, we will grow, period. There will be a harvest. Nothing will be wasted. He always gets the results he wants. Now, some of that harvest shows up as what we call fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Paul writes uh, in these familiar verses in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In fact, here's one way you can tell you are walking in the Spirit. This is so important, especially for those of you who are just beginning to understand spiritual growth. This is how you can tell you are walking in the Spirit. Do you have more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Walking in the Spirit will always lead to more of this kind of fruit. The opposite is also true. The Holy Spirit will accomplish what he sets out to do in the life of someone who walks in the Spirit. It's always your choice, but one good God-honoring choice after another will lead to spiritual maturity. Always. Now there is much more to the Holy Spirit than just these few things we've talked about uh, today. We haven't even scratched the surface of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to help us do the work God's prepared for us. And I guess that's a, another story for another day. But now, before we close, let's get back to that thing that I asked you to hold on to. It's that thing that you haven't been walking in the Spirit with, which is why it always wins in the end. So let's change that trajectory. We're going to learn to walk in the Spirit in one simple 30-second prayer that you'll begin to pray whenever you hear the siren call of sin. The earlier you hear the call, the better. 30 seconds. Now, generally, when we think about praying, we pray to God through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit turns our nonsense into the language of heaven. God is the object of our prayers. Christ is the mediator on our behalf, standing at the right hand of, of God. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. But you can pray to Jesus and the Holy Spirit as well. They're all God. No one's going to get their nose out of joint. So here's what I want you to begin to rehearse. Now, I say rehearse because I want it to become so natural, so second nature, that when the temptation not to pray it comes... You don't even have to think about it. You just do it. It kind of just leaks out of you like you're breathing. Pray something like this. Holy Spirit, right now, my body wants to do what I know isn't best for me. Or Holy Spirit, right now, though it's no surprise to you, I have a really crappy attitude. Or Holy Spirit, I really want to scream right now. You get it. Whatever language works best for your thing. I want to do what I know I don't really want to do, but I can't stop on my own. 
I can't change my attitude on my own. I can't control myself on my own. I can't redirect my thoughts on my own. I can't love on my own. Whatever, again, whatever works uh, for your thing. Holy Spirit, I am trying to meet legitimate, God-given needs in an illegitimate way. Trying to meet legitimate, God-given needs in an illegitimate way. Meet those needs the way you want to meet them. Meet me in my loneliness. Meet me in my anger. Meet me in my desires. Meet me in my insecurity. And now, unleash the power that raised Jesus from the dead and redirect my mind. Redirect my body. Redirect my emotions. Lead me down a God-honoring path. Do your perfect work in me. Amen. That's it. Focus on the Holy Spirit for 30 seconds and see what happens. Now, if you don't focus on the Holy Spirit, you probably aren't going to be successful every time, at least at first, but give it time. When I focused on the Holy Spirit for 30 seconds, he's never let me down. The craving just goes away. The hard heart begins to melt. The anger dissipates. Love begins to grow, and so do I. So just try it for 30 days. 30 seconds for 30 days. And see what happens. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just, with my brothers and, and sisters watching and here in the room, we just confess, we just confess that we have ignored him. We have ignored the Spirit when we should be walking in the Spirit. And we don't want to live that way anymore. And so, Father, unleash the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in us, to bring about an awareness that our awareness might grow, that we might reap a harvest of being the kind of people that just walk in the Spirit all the time, that our lives would be changed for the glory of our God, that we wouldn't be the kind of Christ followers who say one thing but do another, that we would have a complete integrity in the way we believe, think, and act. And God, we, we all have one thing, or more, if we're honest, but we've all got something that we constantly battle to overcome. Teach us how to invite the Holy Spirit into that battle, that we might actually be victorious. Now, Father, it's also likely that here in the room or watching online right now, uh, there are, are, some of you have never surrendered your life to Jesus in the first place, and you have no Holy Spirit living in you, which means that you really are powerless to overcome the hurt, to overcome the, the dysfunction, to overcome the sinful nature. You're powerless to bring healing to your, to your marriage, to your other relationships, to bring peace to those places where you have anxiety. It doesn't have to stay that way. 
Today, you could say yes to God. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. It is so easy. The words that you pray don't really matter. What you believe is what matters. And if you believe that Jesus came and died for you, that he rose again three days later and then gave you the Holy Spirit, wants to give you the Holy Spirit to live the way he's called you to live, then that's it. The words don't matter. Your heart does. And all you have to do is say yes. We can figure out the rest after that. But as soon as you say yes, the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And your life will be different. Your life will be different as you learn to walk in the Spirit. So, Father, we don't want to live apart from the Holy Spirit's work in our life. We don't want to just walk with the Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit, and we know that we've got to learn how to do that. And much of that learning is about us. Much of that learning is about us changing the way we think. Thank you for joining us in worship today. Whether you are part of our Dayspring family or just joined us for the first time, we'd love to walk with you on your spiritual journey. Feel free to drop us an email if you have questions or want more information. For those of you who choose to invest financially at Dayspring, thank you for your generosity and commitment to helping others grow. Every gift, large or small, matters, and God never ceases to surprise us with what He is able to do because of your commitment to following Him in every part of your life. If you're our guest today, please know that we consider your time a gift to us and this service our gift to you. We don't expect you to contribute financially. For those of you who would like to partner financially, there are three easy ways for you to give. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail one of those old-fashioned checks to us. You would also bless us if you would subscribe, share, and like our live stream wherever you watch it. The social media algorithms use those likes to elevate our social media presence, which means more people hear about the ways Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. Until next week, may the grace of God bless every aspect of your life.